This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. to episode number 87 here the huskies warming house podcast we've got a good one here for you sunday this morning november 14th i'm noah grant joined alongside a new co-host this morning and alex micheletti son of pat micheletti and a former guest on this show has his own podcast that is much more successful than ours so we're super happy <laughs> to have him on the show and have <laughs> him with us uh alex uh, it's a pleasure to have you here we'll catch up with you in a few moments of course we've got a lot of things to talk about uh most notably men's hockey earning the sweep against uh nebraska omaha here in st cloud state uh, a little bit of kind of discussion about the college hockey world your man cato mavericks uh, were able to take care of business although in uh unceremonious fashion a little bit more on Saturday night uh, last night a little bit about the Minnesota Wild and their kind of run that they've had a pretty good month in November so far for them and then our extra ice session we've got the smorgasbord of topics that we'll uh, be discussing uh, potentially relating to some goaltenders and some goal scorers so uh, stick around you won't want to miss it and we'll start with the Center Ice View News and Notes and the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Two Center Ice News and Notes, the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. St. Cloud State Men's Hockey uh, back in action uh, in the NCHC this week. They're facing a pretty good Omaha team, uh, a team that actually ended up with the same record as the Huskies at the end of uh, the contest on Saturday, both teams uh, improving to nine and three on the season. On Friday, the Huskies riding a pair of goals from Vieti Mietnin and a pair from Issa Brodzinski and a marker from Joey Molinar, a five to one win for the St. Cloud State hockey team. And on Saturday, uh, the Omaha Mavericks, despite being, I would say, largely outplayed in that hockey game, they responded uh, with a split in a three to two overtime victory. Uh, Jack Peart, Kevin Fitzgerald were the goal scorers on Saturday, but it was Taylor Ward from former Golden Gopher Brandon McManus, 246 in overtime to cap off the loss for the Huskies. The men's team, like we said, nine and three overall in the year and three and one in conference play. They're going to travel to Western Michigan for a duel of 6 p.m. Central time starts in Kalamazoo and women's hockey. They're back in action after a bye this week. They're at home on Friday and at Ritter Arena on Saturday to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Should be a good one and good to see. Uh, good to see the college hockey world uh, ramping up, Alex. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 getting, uh, it, you know, it's getting to the best time of the year. 
um, you know, we're getting, you know, into the, into the conference play and, and rivalry games. So, you know, nothing beats that. And, um, it's going to be a fun frozen for this, uh, upcoming yeah. in, uh, next year in, in, in Boston. So, you know, that's a fun, fun sports town and, you know, just can't wait. Uh, I mean, you know, we got some amazing teams, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Michigan will get a, maybe a, get a chance to, to get back there after losing their season from COVID and with all their number one draft picks. And you got Mankato, St. Cloud, Duluth, the Gophers in the mix. So you got the Minnesota schools, uh, right in, right, right in there too. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun, fun stretch here coming up. Yeah, no, no mention of North Dakota in there, and I and I like to see that, Alex. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, <laughs> speaking of our Minnesota teams, Alex, if we're rolling right through here, the Minnesota Wild, they've improved to 10 and four on the season, right? A good for first in the Central Division, uh, five and one in the month of November so far, as of recording time on this Sunday, November 14th. Uh, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders, Arizona, and Seattle, all victims of the Minnesota Wild this month. Their only loss against Vegas in a one-goal hockey game really wasn't a one-goal game until that third period, though. Uh, kind of a tough showing in Vegas, which is funny because Minnesota was the last team to be beaten in regulation by Vegas, and they play uh, the Golden Knights pretty good at home at the Excel Energy Center, but of course, on the road, a little bit different story. Uh, the big storyline came last night, Rem Pidlick, uh, his natural hat-trick, becoming the 31st player in NHL history to score his first three NHL goals in the same game. Uh, Minnesota hosting San Jose and Dallas upcoming on Tuesday. And Thursday before a swing to the Sunshine State on the weekend, Florida um, will be, uh, they'll be in Florida Saturday and Tampa Bay they'll visit on Sunday. Uh, Ram Pitlick, like we mentioned, first three NHL goals in the same game. I'm trying to think, would it be Austin Matthews that would be the last one that completed that feed? Of course, he had a four goal performance in scoring his first four goals in his first NHL game. I'm trying to think if there was any player that would be in between that would be the next one. Can you think of any, Alex? Oh, well, there is a famous one uh, that has St. Cloud connections. Uh, I'm not sure if it was before or after, but uh, Ryan Paling did uh, got a, a hat trick oh, yeah. um, too uh, with the Canadians. Yeah, um, it's, it, so, it, it, yeah. And he scored the other night too. Or yeah, against <laughs> against uh, Detroit. So it was good to good to see him healthy and and, and ready to roll. So. Yeah, I'm surprised I missed that one. Although in my mind, I'm thinking of Austin Matthews. I, Austin Matthews has been in the league for a couple of years now, and it's funny how time flies. It feels like he's only been there for two or three years, and I feel a lot yeah. younger than I really am. So yeah, he's it's incredible. You know, he's an assistant captain, and so it's uh, yeah, it's just he's so much fun to watch. He uh, yeah, he got the overtime winner against uh, Calgary the other night too. That was it's so much fun to watch him shoot the puck. He's he's got one of the best releases uh, for sure in the game. Yeah, he's a he's a player that uh, when you see him come down the ice with speed, you know that one, you're in trouble, and two, wherever he's coming down the ice is probably not where his stick's going to end up shooting it from. Uh, the way yeah. that he has that little toe drag, drag release, uh, one of the like you mentioned, one of the purest goal scores in the game. Uh, in our second to last story of this week, a little bit of a kind of a sadder news in some respects. Uh, new developments on the sexual assault cases and stories that we've been following on this podcast, uh, starting in Chicago. Settlement talks between the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. They've already kind of hit some rocky roads, uh, which is tough to hear. Uh, Beach's lawyer said Thursday that she's disgusted by the Hawks' lack of fair play with their recent handling of Beach's lawsuit. Uh, two weeks ago, Hawks CEO Danny Wirtz, he had kind of instructed the team lawyers to reach fair resolution in that lawsuit, which did open talks on November 2nd. Um, but uh, last Thursday in a letter, the Blackhawks called Beach's lawyers' initial financial demand extraordinary. 
Um, but Beach's lawyer said that the Hawks, they won't even provide their own offer for um, a counter offer there um, and essentially declined to disclose her initial statement demand publicly. But uh, it's been said that it included the estimated earnings that Kyle Beach would have made over a typical NHL career had he not been allegedly assaulted as a 20-year-old prospect. Uh, the Hawks obviously were pretty upset by that fact. Um, in our other story, the Pittsburgh Penguins reaching a settlement via mediator just this Tuesday in their lawsuit, alleging they negligently retained a minor league coach who sexually assaulted another coach's wife in 2018. Uh, lawyers for Jared and Aaron Scald announced the settlement in a news release on Tuesday. In terms of that settlement, were not disclosed. So, of course, Bill Guerin was kind of mentioned in that uh, that article or that uh, lawsuit for uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, part of the Pittsburgh organization. But Alex, you know, it's uh, we're making baby steps in the hockey world. It's tough to see the the Kyle Beach situation kind of you know uh, go the way that it's going. Um, I know it's it's still progressing, but ever ever slowly. And I, I don't, I don't know what the appropriate financial compensation is for something like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to comment on that, but uh, um, yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say. Uh, it's good to see things going in the right direction, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can find a resolution resolution soon for Kyle beach and the Blackhawks and be able to move forward as a collective uh, group in the national hockey league. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it was really sad. I mean, he was the only one from his draft class in that first round to never play uh, in the NHL. Um, so, you know, he deserves any any type of compensation back to him for what he went through. And, you know, now he's he's playing over in a lower division in, in Germany. And so, uh, you know, he's only a year older than me. He's, he's 31. And so to see him never get that chance to play in the NHL, it's it's really tough. And uh, but like, like you said, um, you know, baby steps getting there, um, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see here in, in 2021, uh, that we're finally starting to get, you know, some of these, you know, these people out of, uh, positions of power that they were in, um, and improve the game and, you know, get everybody involved and, um, you're, you're seeing, you know, diversity get more into the game, which is great. Um, uh, I watched the, the wild and, uh, um, Seattle last night and, uh, uh, JT Brown is, uh, you know, commentator for the Kraken now. And so that's, that's really cool. And so, you know, just getting, getting more and more groups of, of people involved is great and in, in starting to get rid of, uh, you know, some of the, the bad side of things of hockey. And so, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, it's good to see uh, slowly, but we're getting there. And listening to uh, the diversity around the NHL, of course, Leah Hextall, who did a lot of the NCAA tournaments, she's a, a kind of a pure voice for uh, NHL hockey as well, too. So like you mentioned, we are we are getting there slowly but surely. But like uh, like these things usually do, they kind of take time and uh, feels like two steps forward, one step back at times. Uh, but hopefully we are headed in the right direction. You mentioned a little bit about uh, people in positions of power. We've got one of those uh, general manager out in Anaheim in our final topic of the week, as well as a handful of players that are injured, uh, a jersey number being retired and the NHL having a new twist on the All-Star weekend. Uh, starting in Anaheim, the Ducks general manager, Bob Murray, resigned from his position on Wednesday. Uh, he's going to enter the alcohol abuse program after nearly a 14-year tenure with the club, uh, joining the club in 2005 and general manager since 2008. Uh, the Ducks placing Murray on leave Tuesday amid an investigation into his professional conduct before his resignation, where it was alleged that he berated fellow colleagues. He was prone to outbursts, uh, creating a toxic work culture that through repeated verbal abuse of Ducks players 
staff and personnel, as well as temper tantrums and intimidation tactics. So a difficult, uh, difficult thing to hear in an Anaheim franchise that has otherwise uh, kind of been known for some of the more classy things that have happened on the organization. Paul Correa's retirement, Tamu Solani, of course, Ryan Getzloff passing Solani in the all-time points. They usually do a pretty good job keeping it fairly low-key um, in Southern California, but that one, uh, hopefully, I welcomes a better change for that organization and a group that still kind of is up and down on the ice, but they've got some good young guys, including a uh, former Denver pioneer, Troy Terry, who's uh, one heck of a hockey player. Got a chance to see him play a couple of years ago. And uh, um, actually got to see him play after he scored the game winner in the shootout on that Thursday at the world juniors, he was playing that Saturday night for Denver and scored two goals and didn't look out of place at all. So a uh, good, good hockey player there uh, in Columbus, the blue jackets retiring former superstar, Rick Nash's number 61 to the rafters uh, on March 5th. Uh, Nash, the first player in franchise history to receive the honor for the Jackets. Uh, they drafted him first overall in 2002. Five-time All-Star franchise, all-time leader in games played with 674. Goals with 289, 258 assists to lead the team, and points with 547. Nash also was the team captain from 2008 to 2012. A well-deserving player. Kind of finished his career, bounced around. He was with Boston for one of their cup runs as well. Um, but good to see uh, him. I believe he's still in the game with... Uh, with Columbus, I believe he's in a general management or executive role, I should say. Um, so kind of good to see him. Alex, uh, do you remember back in the day, uh, were you a big Rick Nash fan growing up? I suppose that would have been the, the prime years of your hockey, young hockey fandom, if you will. Yeah, right in my wheelhouse. I mean, it was, yeah, some of the goals he scored were just highlight reels. I mean, you can still look them up on YouTube. It's uh, it's incredible. I mean, and he was right there for the beginning of that, uh, you know, franchise and getting there on, um, on its feet. Um, you know, he's incredible. He was incredible, you know, in the Olympics too. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely a fun player to watch. And uh, uh, it was cool to see his journey, not, th not only through Columbus, but like you mentioned, Boston, uh, he played for the Rangers for, for a good uh, portion too. And so, yeah, very fun player. I wish he was still playing, but you know, sometimes when you, uh, and when you start yeah, that young, uh, you know, sometimes just the wheels start to you know, fall off a little bit when you're in your mid thirties. But, uh, like we mentioned, Austin Matthews, he was one of the best pure goal scorers for, for his era. Um, and it was fun to see him, uh, turn into a, a, a captain of an NHL team as well. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely fun player to watch. Yeah, kind of interesting The Columbus Blue Jackets had him and then the Minnesota Wild had Marion Gabrick. It kind of seemed like both those franchises had their guy that had similar styles of play. Yeah, you think about him potentially slipping in the league, that would be his 19th year coming up, uh, that it would be since his draft class or so. So, uh, yeah, hockey uh, definitely takes a toll, but uh, he uh, he has earned that retirement and had a very good career, not only with Columbus, but the rest of his National Hockey League career. Uh, kind of wrapping up our little bit of notes here in Vegas, uh, the All-Star Game, a report has come out that the NHL wants to hold all-star skills events their newly designed events on the vegas strip outside this year kind of uh uh, a different <laughs> twist. Uh, I, I, the NHL presented a plan to the city this week and Vegas is going to host the all-star weekend on February 4th and 5th. Uh, before we get to our two injuries, Alex, uh, do you think this is a feasible thing? It kind of has uh, feelings of uh, the LA Kings and Wayne Gretzky playing in a parking lot in the mid nineties. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I love it. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we have Vegas in the NHL. I mean, it's worked out tremendously. Um, they're a great, great team, great city. It's, 
that uh, that arena is always buzzing too. Whenever you watch a game, it's never not dull in there. <laughs> um, and all the theatrics that they do, the pregame uh, stuff, it's it's incredible. Uh, I think it will. I think it will do well. I mean, it brings eyes to league, and that's what the league wants. You know, the back on ESPN, and so any any type of publicity good publicity the league can get they are all for it and so i'm all i'm all for trying new things you know it could go horribly but uh i think it's cool the bright lights um you know you'll get uh you'll get like alex ovechkin out there you know and so all those big names and uh yeah it's it'll be fun i think for sure yeah, if Alex Ovechkin actually decides to show up to the All-Star game, right. which is pretty right. hit or miss <laughs> some years, right. uh, but you can't blame him. He's made so many of them. And uh, yeah, like you said, it, it could be a monumental failure. The thing that I think about as a player is, especially in an NHL building, it's warm enough in there. So being outside down in the desert, uh, <laughs> it's kind of an added piece. doesn't matter what time you hold it, but nonetheless, excited. Like I mentioned, February 4th and 5th, uh, that Friday, Saturday, that's when you're going to get some of those festivities going on there. Uh, finally, only two injuries to kind of uh, note in the National Hockey League this week. Nathan McKinnon out three weeks with a lower body injury and Ottawa defenseman Eric Brandstrom will miss six to eight weeks after sustaining a broken hand. Once again, welcome in to episode number 87 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant alongside Alex Micheletti. Alex, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We've had you here for about 15 minutes now. And the the begging question is, one, what have you been up to this week? What are you up to this week? And two, uh, you know, what were your first reactions when you got the call to be uh, the new Nick Maxson uh, for this week? <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love joining any any uh, podcasts I can, and uh, especially hockey ones. That's right up my wheelhouse, and so yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, on uh, on Sunday nights, uh, I do the Locked On Wild podcast with Seth Topol, and so we always have fun uh, recapping uh, the weekend for the Wild and the in the Central Division and the rest of the league. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, this is the the best time of the year we got college hockey and NHL hockey going simultaneously. And so it's, it's fun to talk both. And um, also on uh, Thursdays, um, I also um, help out um, uh, do the MN NCA um, well, you know, college hockey podcast. So we, we talk about all the, um, you know, all the college hockey teams um, here in the state of Minnesota. And so we do that uh, with hoppy, uh, with the, you know, the soda pod boys. And so that's, that's a lot of fun too. So yeah. Um, well, a lot of watching college hockey and NHL, you can't, can't beat it for sure. Yeah. Do you, uh, and Nick and I talk about this and of course, fans, like you mentioned, uh, the last podcast, MNNCAA, uh, that's where you can find Mr. Nick Maxson as well. Um, we, he kind of talks a little bit about, you know, how much fun it is, but it kind of feels like, especially from the broadcaster perspective, of course, you can catch Nick Maxson uh, on Fox nine Husky productions uh, doing his uh, incredible role with uh, in studio there. Does it ever feel, do you ever feel kind of that burnout sometimes, you know, when you, when you get up on a Sunday or a Monday where you feel like, wow, I watched a lot of hockey this weekend, or uh, do you kind of feel like this is, this is what you do and you, and you wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, is it a little bit of mixture of both or um, do you feel like the train is still rolling steady, at least in the November? A little, a little bit of both. Uh, the, some of the, I'm just thankful that the wild aren't stuck with the Pacific division all, all season. Cause those are some of the late games and then you got to get up early for work the next day. So that's kind of a drag, but um, no, this, I mean, it's the best, you get to watch the best league in the world um, in, uh, in both, you know, 
you know, um, you know, NHL and then college hockey too. We got some of the best teams in the nation right here in our state. So it's, it's fun to flip through all the college hockey and, and NHL it's, you know, there's nothing better. I mean, last night was, was so much fun. Some of the late games were just fantastic. Um, yeah, the wild beating the Kraken, trying to hold on to that <laughs> lead that they had. The third period was kind of crazy. And then Vegas scored seven on Vancouver. And so Vancouver's given up seven goals back to back games. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's fun, you know, especially, uh, when those high enders get rolling, it's, it's incredible. We've seen, just some amazing goals this past week or so the Connor McDavid going one on four um, against the Rangers. We had Matthew Kachuk going in between the legs against the Rangers. So the Rangers had some, some tough goals <laughs> go against them, but they also had an amazing goal from former Wisconsin defenseman, Keandre Miller. He went coast to coast and, and scored. And so it's fun. It's fun watching these guys just score some incredible goals and, you know, they're making, really good defensemen look just just you know just average and like how are they in the nhl you know so it's it's incredible yeah and you know you can't really get any better than having all that action and looking to know that minnesota is one of only five teams to hit the 10 win mark this season sitting atop the central division at 20 points we're going to touch on them in a little bit in their kind of journey like you mentioned five and one in the month of november so it's been an exciting uh, road for this minnesota wild club uh let's start in the college hockey world though shall we and of course alex michaletti's favorite hockey team uh the st cloud state huskies uh you heard it here first um of course we are a st cloud state hockey podcast uh recapping uh, a good five to one win on Friday night for the Huskies and then a three to two overtime loss on Saturday on Friday. Vietti Mietnin had three points. Josh Ludke had, or Lidke, I should say had two points. Issa Brodzinski with two goals and Andre Trayball two assists. They were all multi-point game uh, personnel for the Huskies. Joey Molinar, Vietti Mietnin leading the Huskies with six shots on goal in that contest. A uh, pretty complete effort for uh, an Omaha squad that looked like a squad that was missing a couple of players, you know, five or six guys. They just looked like, uh, it was their first road game after 10 games at home for Omaha. So I, um, footing, especially on a big Olympic size sheet, it's hard to prepare for that. I think the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, when it's rocking, is a tough building to play in. Uh, but they found their footing on Saturday, did Omaha. St. Cloud State, though, um, I should say they found their footing on the scoreboard. I think St. Cloud controlled really most of that hockey game on Saturday, out shooting Omaha 45 to 29, 84 shot attempts by the Huskies in Saturday's uh, contest with 18 block shots uh, by Omaha. Kevin Fitzgerald, the lone Husky with a multi-point game for the Huskies. He just continues his incredible tear uh, <laughs> in his fifth year as a St. Cloud State hockey player. So let's talk uh, through that Friday hockey game. Very quickly, like we mentioned, Vietti Mietnin from Yami Cranolin, Andre Trayball, uh, just over five minutes, just under five minutes into period number one. And then it was Mietnin again from uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, Kyler Kupka uh, to cap off the scoring in period number one. In the second period, it kind of looked like Omaha was making a pushback. Uh, Easton Brodzinski, though, found the twine uh, a nice uh, one-timer snapshot, if you will, over the blocker side of Isaiah Seville, who was sensational for Omaha in that I thought Nolan Walker, Josh Lidke with the assist in that one. And then Joey Molinar uh, able to pot the fourth goal of that game, a nice gritty play down low, a uh, bang, bang rebound play to himself uh, from Lidke and Mietnin to make it four to nothing. And then Issa Bronzinski from Andre Trayball, um about halfway through, a little over halfway through the third to make it five, nothing before uh, kind of a, uh, I don't want to say garbage time goal, but uh power play goal for UNO to make it five to one uh, on that Friday night. Um, 
moving over to Saturday very quickly, a little bit less scoring in that hockey game. Jack Peart, good to see him back after injury. Uh, wasted no time getting back on the board. 6.03 into period number one. Uh, Josh Lidke, uh, the freshman connection. Josh Lidke, a great points weekend for him. We just had him on the show last week, along with Mason Salquist. If you didn't get a chance to check out that interview, I definitely would. Uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, uh, shocker, on the board again with an assist. Uh, also had an assist on the third period game tying goal. Um, it was Omaha back to back in period two and the start of period number three to make it two to one before Kevin Fitzgerald uh, shorthanded off of that major penalty. Um, with about a minute left in that major from Micah Miller, uh, able to tie that game. But it was Taylor Ward from Brandon McManus uh, in overtime, which I thought even the overtime, the Huskies were able to control that game too. So uh, it's funny the way the hockey world works. Omaha and St. Cloud, both nine and three. Uh, I don't know where St. Cloud will sit in terms of the rankings. If they'll still be a number one team in the country, we'll have to see. Um, but Alex, uh, you got a chance, especially on that Saturday, to kind of catch that wild finish there. It seemed like that game was all Huskies. I don't know that they controlled the entirety of the game on Friday, but it felt like Saturday that they just, you know, I don't want to say it was a complete 60 minutes, but I think it was about as close of an effort as the Huskies have had this year. And somehow they don't get rewarded on the scoreboard. You have a goaltender that's able to keep uh, keep a team in it with 43 or 45 saves. Uh, you know, is there any explanation for a college hockey game like that? Or is that just a typical day in the NCAA? Uh, yeah, in, in the NCA, uh, NCHC as well. I mean, there's never going to be an off night in that in that league. Um, and, you know, incredible goalie matchup. You know, you got two drafted goalies with Seville with Vegas and uh, David Arenic, uh with, with the Kings. Um, and so, you, you know, it was going to be tight. And as we always know in college hockey, too, the team that loses on Friday, um, Saturday night, you better Saturday night or afternoon, you better come prepared because that team's going to come out firing. Um, and so, you know, St. Cloud with their structure, they do such an amazing job uh, keeping things pretty tight and, uh, you know, not allowing a lot of space in front of David. Um, and yeah, that's going to sometimes happen. You can control the game and then, you know, just, you know, get, you know, over time, you know, it, you know, it's sometimes that you get a lucky bounce and that's, that's what happened for, for Omaha, but you know, two, two really good teams. And so you can't, you can't be mad with how it went for the, um, you know, for the weekend. And you got, you got to see some guys step up that, you know, had been kind of quiet. Um, you, you mentioned Josh there, Licky. Um, I think at one time he was uh, a Denver commit too. Um, yep. and so, um, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, really nice pickup for St. Cloud and he's off to a good start now here. Um, so hopefully that gives them momentum going for, forward. And uh, Peart, uh, like you mentioned, um, he's an incredible hockey player and, you know, someone that wild fans, hopefully we'll get to see him in a couple of years. Um, he's not, he's not very big, but he made an amazing huge hit there uh, you know, last night and uh, got a really nice goal. And so it'll be nice to see his game develop. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to rush him because, you know, they, the wild have some, some pretty good defensemen that are around his same size, including captain Jared Spurgeon. So let him, let him develop a little bit uh, there in, in St. Cloud. And um, yeah. Um, another guy that is so impressive is, is Kevin Fitzgerald. Like you mentioned, uh, uh, I got a chance to see him a couple of weeks ago when they played Mankato and he did a really, really good job. 
in the face-off circle and he shut down uh, one of the best college hockey players, Nathan Smith, on that Saturday night game. And so I'm just so impressed with with how he plays. And, you know, what more can you say about Easton Brodzinski too? Um, I, I'm sure Brett wishes there was a, a lot more Brodzinski's down the pipeline just because, you know, it's that, that family is incredible, including Easton. And so, um, yeah, good, good over, good overall weekend for St. Cloud and we'll see if they can ride, you know, ride the momentum in the next week. Yeah. Like you mentioned the goaltending matchup, Austin Roden in net uh, for Omaha on Saturday. He, uh, like you mentioned, stopped 43 or 45, a good uh, weekend for him. He kind of came in relief in that third period of Friday's game as well, but yeah, Easton Brodzinski, like you mentioned, uh, getting his 60th and 61st goal in St. Cloud state, uh, his career in St. Cloud state there, uh, moving to 10th all time on that goals list. And uh, he might be able to climb that ladder a little bit more uh, in his fifth season. I think that, you know, his story has just been a remarkable one coming back from that broken leg, especially, you know, where you break a leg high up, um, you know, in, in the femur there and he, his return, I don't think anybody had anticipated for him to come back as quickly as he did, but more, moreover, you know, the overarching theme on top of that is not only has he come back, but he's got six goals to his credit this season and, you know, feeling like he's starting to produce a little bit, you know, coming into the weekend, as we look, you know, he was, tied for third in the team points uh, lead with seven points on the season, able to add a couple more this weekend. You know, that's just a resolve. You listen to the story about how he was able to come back in terms of what he had to do in the summer, where he had to get up at seven or eight o'clock in the morning for all his physical therapy and training sessions. He was able to get there. He was able to work hard, able to, you know, essentially say, if I'm going to play college hockey for a fifth season, I'm going to have to earn this and see if I can get my body ready. And not only has he been ready, he's played tough opponents, you know, like your Mankatos, like your Golden Gophers, like your Wisconsin's looked good in the NCHC play so far and actually looked pretty good from the hop um, starting this season. So uh, congratulations to Easton on the great season that he's having and having and hoping to keep uh keep that rolling as well david rennick um you know kind of an odd night for him you know giving up three goals on 29 uh, shots and um i don't know that that's indicative of essentially david rennick's play per se uh, you know i think it's just one of those games where a uh, low shot volume credit the team in front of him it will change his stats a little bit but not too much i mean coming into the weekend with a 944 save percentage you know and a 139 goals against average you, you'll take that those are those are Dryden McKay numbers, Alex, if you yeah. will. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, a power play that was clicking north of 43%, a little bit skewed, of course, from the St. Thomas series. But even without that series, uh, they were still north of 30%. The single state Huskies were. So I, I, you really can't complain, I think, if you're a single state hockey fan about what is going on right now in the Granite City. Uh, a lot of good things to look forward to. Like I mentioned, a good matchup again West, against Western Michigan, who – if we kind of look around the national scoreboard, they were actually swept by Denver this weekend, uh, a Western group that played uh, Michigan, the Wolverines a couple of weeks ago to a split there. Uh, you know, this Denver group, Caleb Peabody, uh, who we should have on the show with you at one point, by the way, I think um, he had kind of talked a little bit about how Denver might be this sneaky hockey team to kind of kind of watch out for. Were you a little surprised with the Denver Western Michigan results or is this just another day in the NCAA? <laughs> yeah, like I said, another day in the NCHC. But I mean, uh, I was, you know, Western Michigan's been an amazing, uh, interesting team to 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 watch because, you know, they had that amazing comeback against Colgate too, where they were down five, uh, and but then they beat they beat Michigan too, um, you know, which is a 
<laughs> is going to be a tough team to beat, especially come come April. Um, but uh, yeah, just another day in the NCHC. And, and Matt Carl is such an amazing coach for uh, for for Denver. Um, he always has his team ready, um, and they just they always seem to to never have an off off year. <laughs> they just reload, um, and you know, so it's <laughs> just another night in, in that conference. And you know, that's why. Uh, the NCHC, I think, is the best conf- conference in college hockey. It just gets you so prepared um, for you know playoff time and uh, in Frozen Four time. You always see an NCHC team right there in the mix. Um, and you know, like I said, every team is good. Um, you always you always are playing a powerhouse too. It seems like, and so uh, yeah, it's it's so much fun, so much fun uh, to, to see some of these guys make it to the NHL too. Uh, I remember yeah. when I was at Mankato doing the games and now seeing some of the guys uh, that were in the WCHA um, and now are in the uh, you know NHL and having great careers. Uh, I remember watching a guy like Jaden Schwartz, who was at Colorado college. Um, and, you know, he's with Seattle now and uh, he was with uh, St. Louis forever. And so, yeah, it's fun, fun to watch these college hockey guys. Uh, you know, have amazing college careers and then get a chance uh, to make it in the NHL. It's fun to fun to watch their journey for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The NCHC and then now kind of what what is the Big Ten are kind of the two leagues that are probably the biggest feeder for that as well. Uh, Wisconsin getting swept by Notre Dame in the Big Ten, as well as the Golden Gophers uh, earning a split against Ohio State, kind of a rocky uh, first game. It was a game that the Gophers shouldn't have lost on Friday, but somehow they did. Uh, Funny the way the hockey world works. Uh, speaking of Friday, Saturdays, North Dakota narrowly escaping Miami on Saturday with a five to four victory there. Uh, but the one that was intriguing to me last night uh, on, I should say on Friday, uh, Minnesota Duluth blowing the doors off of Colorado College five nothing. And then if you went to Amsoil Arena expecting a similar result on Saturday, you got a zero zero box score in a tie hockey game that nobody was able to find the back of the net and a great goaltending performance all the way around there. So good. This Colorado College team, I think, is kind of trending in the right direction. We talked about it last weekend. They played the Huskies tough on that Friday. Uh, the Huskies had to earn an overtime victory in that one, and then were able to find a little bit more footing in terms of the scoreboard on Saturday with that four to one win there. But this Colorado College team, I think they're having the makings of being kind of a stout defensive team. They might not have all the offensive pieces yet, but I feel like when they're able to keep teams obviously close and in reach, they make things uh, very interesting. Before we kick it off, we got about eight minutes or so left in the regular portion of the show. Before we kick it off to some Minnesota Wild stuff, I suppose... We can talk about Bemidji State and how great they are. No, I'm kidding, Alex. Although Bemidji State uh, sweeping Lake Superior, they had a great weekend. We can talk about uh, Mankato and uh, the 9-2 to drubbing they had on Friday and a little bit closer of a flurry, a 5-3 to finish on Saturday against Bowling Green. Uh, Minnesota State, Mankato, what have you liked from them? Yeah, I mean, uh, a really good bounce back uh, from from losing last, last Friday against uh, Ferris. Uh, they didn't have their full lineup, um, and so they were missing two really two key players in Julian Napravnik and Lucas Souter, and so they uh, were healthy this weekend, and so they had the full team, and so <laughs> I think they were a little uh, a little fired up uh, being back home, and it's nice to see them score nine goals and uh, get goals from from all through the lineup. Uh, you know, when you see nine goals, you think of that uh, that Oprah meme where there it's like you get a goal, you get a goal, you get a goal. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, bounce, really nice bounce back uh weekend against a good uh bowling green team uh you know they were uh top 
top 15 pairwise coming into the weekend. And so, yeah, um, impressive sweep at home. And, um, you know, again, we talk about systems, uh, you know, Mike Hastings defensive, you know, uh, structure, just like Brett's, um, it's incredible. They, they don't give up uh, very many shots. Um, and so, uh, you know, expect Dryden to make, you know, the key ones and, you know, he always seems to, to do that. Um, and so, uh, you know, nice, nice to see uh, a guy like Cade Borchard get a hat trick on, on Friday. Um, you had Ryan Sandlin, who's a fan favorite, get a couple goals over the weekend too. And so, yeah, just a really great, great sweep. Uh, they're really starting to, to, you know, take a hold of things in the CCHA. I think they'll, they'll win that league pretty uh, easily. Um, and so that's yeah, fun. Uh, it'll be fun to see, see where this team uh, can, can take things and in, into the tournament um, and maybe they'll get an NCHC team uh, and uh, we'll get to see that battle. So uh, good on the Mavs and uh, they got St. Thomas uh, next weekend who uh, St. Club, um, you know, <laughs> gave, gave it to him uh, a couple weeks ago. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what Mankato does with them uh, in the home and home next week. I like to remind fans, Mankato, oh, and one in frozen fours. Um, nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, we're never going to let that one go, Alex, until uh, nope. you, you can change the script. But nonetheless, speaking of changing the script here uh, in our final topic in the regular portion of the show, uh, when when would you have ever expected that you have Kirill Kaprizov? Okay, he's got 11 points in 14 games. Joining him with the team leading goals is a guy by the name of Ryan Hartman, seven goals, four assists on the season. Uh, you know, he was a first over or a first overall first round draft pick, I should say, played in Chicago's organization for a while and then kind of bounced around before finding his home in Minnesota. This wild group, I I I don't understand a lot of the pessimism that I see sometimes with this group. And I, and I get, you're not going to be on for 82 games for sure. I don't think that Minnesota had the greatest showing in Vegas the other night. I, and they've kind of, they won a game in Pittsburgh uh, last week that they maybe really had no business winning, but at the same time, Minnesota wild hockey is fun to watch again, Alex, you know, and uh, they're finally got a couple of core young core pieces that uh, are exciting to watch as well. Some decent goaltending Marcus Foligno with 10 points. You're getting contributions up and down the lineup. What have you liked from this Minnesota wild squad so far? Yeah. I, um, the number one thing, like you hit it, uh, the depth is incredible and they never seem to be out of it. Um, you know, even in that Vegas game, you know, they made a really strong push there to, you know, they'll to only lose by one, but they just, they, 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 they don't seem to be out of any game, you know, no matter what. Um, and you you see guys that, uh, um, they're giving, given a chance and they're, they're running with it. Uh, Rem Pidlick getting a natural hat trick last night. Um, you know, a guy that was on waivers and, has, you know, battled through COVID and, you know, got a, got a chance last night to, you know, to contribute. And you're seeing guys like Nico Sturm having a really uh, strong start, um, you know, a college hockey guy, uh, Brandon Duhame, another college hockey guy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun, fun to see this team. Uh, they, they seem to be playing with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, energy um, and youth is really, you know, it been interjected into this team. And I think, that that's having a lot, lot to do with it too. Um, and even, even when you're having, you know, some of the big guns have quiet games, um, you have the third and the fourth lines that in the past haven't done much offensively. And now um, with some of the moves Billy G, G has made, um, you know, they're starting to contribute, contribute to the score sheet. And uh, 
all the defensemen are contributing uh, offensively too, which is, which is fun to see. I know people were worried about the third pairing uh, with John Merrill, another college hockey guy and Kulikov, who's kind of bounced around the league, but they've been uh, serviceable. And uh, you know, what more can you say about Jonas Brodeen and and Jared Spurgeon? Uh, They are off to really, really strong starts and, um, you know, Alex Goligoski, another, <laughs> another college hockey guy with the Gophers. Uh, um, he's filled in admirably, uh, for, uh, you know, replacing Ryan Suter, um, as kind of the, the veteran of the, of the group there. Um, and, and so what more can you say about Matthew, uh, Matt Dumba too? Um, yeah. he always, um, you know, brings it offensively and, and defensively. So yeah, this is a fun, fun team to watch. Uh, they're right there in the mix in the, in the, in the central in the West. Um, and so, you know, as long as Cam Talbot can stay healthy, um, you know, I think uh, this team could make a run finally and out of the first round, as long as they don't have to play Vegas uh, or, or Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Or, or throw a Chicago in that mix or St. Louis or right. pretty much anybody that is right. <laughs> throwing that right. back at us. I do find some vindication though, you know, in the piece where people, you know, they question Matt Dumbo and then he starts to produce offensively or, you know, oh, what is the deal with Rem Pitt? Look, he hasn't looked that good. Well, here's a natural hat trick for you. Take that one Minnesota wild fans, you know, and, and it's good to see players, I guess, prove the doubters wrong, so to speak. I kind of wanted to ask here kind of my final questions. Uh, number one, I kind of read a nice little thread about, you know, will Nico Sturm be in a Minnesota wild sweater? Or has he kind of earned a contract? Payday that's going to be too much for the wild to handle. Um, so that's my first question for you. And my second one with this Minnesota wild club, if they continue the way that they are and they approach the trade deadline, are they buyers? Are they still sellers? Or do you think that you don't disrupt uh, what you've got going on right now uh, with the young core and the young pipeline that you've got? Yeah, it's good. Good to see for Nico Sturm, like you mentioned, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, he seems to be a kind of a loyal guy. I think he would take a, a team team friendly deal. Um, it's going to be interesting, like you mentioned, with the cap crunch there, with the with the suitor and and Parisi buyouts. It's kind of making money tough. Um, you know, hopefully he'll want to stick around. Um, you know, he's he's got a good opportunity here, but you know, if he can, you know, get a higher place in the lineup somewhere else, you know. Um, all, all for Nico doing that. Um, <laughs> exactly. Money, money always talks. Um, but you know, sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. Um, you see, you've seen a guy like Carson Susie. It wasn't, you know, he didn't get, make the choice to, to go to Seattle, but, uh, sometimes when you go on to a new team, you're, you're, in, uh, you're in the press box, um, you know, getting healthy scratched. And so, uh, you know, he's got a, a presence in the lineup here. He's not going to be sitting in the press box. And so, uh, it's going to come down to money. Um, you see, you saw a guy like Ryan Hartman take a team friendly deal because he definitely could have got a lot more than, than what he agreed to. And so I'm hoping the same for Nico, but <laughs> you never know. Um, this wild team, uh, I definitely think they should be buyers. Um, you know, they still need center center help. It's incredible what they're doing with, with the centers they have. Right oh, come now. on, Alex, Victor Rask, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, Freddie Goudreau, I don't think he, um, you would consider him a top six, uh, a center, uh, uh man. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's going to be some, some, some good centers available. One guy I've always wanted on this team is Tomas hurdle. Um, probably going to have to give up a lot to get him, but he would just fit in so perfectly for this team. 
Uh, we'll see what they do with Marco Rossi too, because he's just having an incredible start for the um, Iowa wild down there in the AHL. So I'd like to see him come up. Um, you know, you, you just got, you got some incredible young offensive guys in, in Iowa that could definitely be on this team. Uh, like Billy G told them when they originally got called down there, um, you know, you know, just, you know, produce and, you know, dominate the AHL. Um, and that seems to be the case for Marco Rossi. And uh, we'll say his Robin down there, uh, Adam Beckman. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to see some of these prospects finally make it fully. You got a guy like Kalen Addison, too, that uh, every time he's he's in a wild uniform, it seems like he produces. So, um, yeah, exciting, exciting time for the wild. And, um, you know, I, I'm so, so glad that, that Billy G is the general manager of this team. I think yeah. he's the best general manager, uh, in, in Minnesota with all, all the sports teams and, uh, what a move to keep Dean Evison as head coach too. I think that has paid off tremendously. <laughs> Usually see when a GM gets hired that they pick their own guy. Um, and he decided to stay with Dean, um, who he had no connection with. Um, and so, yeah, it's fun. This team's rolling. Um, and like I said, uh, just got to keep the goaltender healthy because I don't trust Capo fully yet as, yeah. as an NHL goaltender. Um, and so we need Cam, Cam to be healthy because I think he's been uh, the MVP last year. And he's, I think, the MVP right now um, as well. Sure. Billy Guerin's exciting, but I mean, how about those Timberwolves, Alex? Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, there, there's a guy, he's a right winger. There's a guy that I've been high on for a long time. I know Minnesota would have to give up a lot to give him. I really like the way Travis Konechny plays uh, out in Philadelphia. He's got eight points in 13 games, uh, you know, five foot 10, 175. He's only 24 years old. He kind of came in as a centerman, but has moved to a, a right wing. I always felt that he would be a perfect fit in this Minnesota organization. Not that Minnesota needs any more wingers. Like you mentioned, they need a little bit more center depth if they're willing to make that move but he's been a guy that I've, I've always been high on and like you had kind of mentioned a little bit uh you know that third pairing it you know not that they're household names per se but when you mention the likes of Ian Cole and Carson Susie and I suppose throw Brad Hunt in the mix too I uh, you know those are not guys that you know I don't want to say that they're not easily replaceable but they were steady third pairing defensemen you knew their role that you knew what they were going to bring to the table that's a tough replacement in terms of what Minnesota had in terms of cap. And I think Kulikov, John Merrill, uh, they've definitely stepped up. Kalen Addison has looked nice when he stepped in. I think the only one that has underperformed so far would be Jordy Ben, but he's seen very limited time. So, I mean, I mean, what, what do you say? Right. Um, so if Jordy Ben's, you know, the guy that's going to struggle the most in the Minnesota wild uniform, and he's got a handful of games, I suppose you'll take that uh, all day long, you know, take the record being first in the central division, first to 20 points uh, at the time of recording here on Sunday. So lots of hockey on the docket. Like I mentioned, Minnesota back in action, San Jose at home on Tuesday, Dallas on Thursday, and then they will head Saturday, Sunday to Florida and Tampa Bay, respectively. You won't want to miss it. Lots of good hockey action coming up. St. Louis State men's hockey on the docket. They're going to be uh, in Kalamazoo, Western Michigan, and they've got North Dakota the following weekend. Um, I should say after Thanksgiving weekend. I think they have a week off, and then they've got uh, North Dakota on the docket as well, too. Women's hockey, they've got the University of Minnesota in a home-and-home. Home. So uh, definitely, if you're a Huskies fan, go to the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center on Friday for some women's hockey action. Otherwise, follow the men's and women's teams on whatever mobile streaming device uh, you happen to listen to. Um, by the way, Alex, before we kick it off to our Extra Ice segment, I did want to say I thought Pat had Pat Micheletti had a really good call of the games this weekend. Um, I don't know if that 
relates anything to you at all, but I, I definitely thought that he uh, had good command of the game and uh, um, definitely does a good job. I've heard a lot of good things about him that he should be at the next level as well too. And uh, Hey, there's a guy that had a pretty good college career himself, so to speak. Um, but uh, nonetheless, Alex, I think it's time we uh, head on over to some extra ice. We're going to talk about a couple of topics here. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about uh, is going to be uh, a little bit of goaltending-esque conversation. The Ryan Lomberg uh, goalie collision that we saw the major penalty the other night. Should we change that goaltending rule? Should it stay the same? We'll have to see. And then we'll also talk about who the heck really is the best goal scorer of all time as Alex Ovechkin climbs the leaderboard. You won't want to miss it and we'll head on over. Welcome in the Extra Ice Session, episode number 87. Noah Grant joined this week by Alex Micheletti. Alex, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and I had a lot of fun here as we get into the rhythm of things. Uh, good to have a co-host this week as well, too. So uh, speaking of uh, where it takes two to tango, if you will, uh, the Ryan Lomberg situation crashing into, I don't even know who was in net uh, for uh, the Hurricanes do you have Ranta, to remember? Ranta. It, it was Ranta. I was going to say, I, did, I didn't think it was Anderson because I didn't have him in my fantasy lineup. So um, <laughs> that's all that I had remembered. Uh, pretty much a loose puck where it was a one-on-one with a defenseman, uh, kind of a 50-50 opportunity. And you saw Lomberg barely briefly touch the puck before running into Ranta there. Uh, and it kind of like he tried to avoid the collision, but also was extended trying to play the puck at the same time to see if he could chip it past. Ended up colliding with a goaltender, probably about top of the circle-ish, something like that. Maybe, you know, it would be probably fair to say. As a former forward, I get the whole ejection for automatic uh, injury type thing. Um, I have a hard time with this one, Alex. I've always had a hard time with this. I understand the rules in place because goalies are less mobile. You're trying to protect them. Obviously, you don't want to see guys get hurt. But I'm also of the mind that at what point when you wander from your net, do you kind of accept the risk in your contract that, hey, if I get bowled over here, maybe I shouldn't have come out this far from my crease. Are you a guy that uh, feels that Ryan Lomberg uh, should have gotten a major penalty there? Or do, do you feel like goaltenders, is there a point where if they come out to play the puck, not that they're fair game to be hit, but that they kind of accept the risk that they might have a little bit of contact if they kind of disrupt a player's momentum coming down the ice? Or did you feel like uh, the right call was made on the ice and the rule should never change? You know, uh, this one, I think, kind of was a unique situation. I mean, Florida was was just um, dominating. Uh, you know, they you know, just absolutely were just smoking, um, you know, Carolina. And so I think the score had had to, you know, to do with a lot of it. Um but Ranta came out there. I mean, you know, he knew uh, that something like this could happen. You know, you don't, you don't just do that for, for fun. Um, <laughs> um, and so um, I just think the score had a lot to deal to, to deal with it. And that the refs, you, you saw the game that was already out of hand um, and they didn't want any more fighting to happen. Um, and so, um, you know, I don't think it should have been called, but I, I can see where, where it was coming from, from the refs. And they were just trying to take control of the game a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's just, that's such a bang, bang play. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. Like you mentioned, you know, you see an injury, uh, of course, you're going to see a penalty come, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think it, it no, it should have been called, but uh, you know, that's you know- going to happen. You know, and it kind of the comparison that I made was uh, probably the most infamous one that we've seen is the Milan Lucic Ryan Miller collision um, way back when. And I, I think that the difference that you have is that Miller wins the race to that puck, and Milan Lucic was not 
his intention was not to play the puck. His intention was to bowl Ryan Miller over. I don't think Lucic knew that till he entered the zone and got to the top of the circle and then said, well, F it. <laughs> That's is- not a guy I would ever want to take a punch from. Lucci yeah. <laughs> has been a heavyweight for for so many years, and he's just an intimidating guy watching uh, watching play because you know, he can still score a little bit, but man, that guy can punch for sure too and hit. Um, you know, it's it, he's a freight train out there. Yeah, I, I, not often you see Ryan Miller do a cartwheel in any. I should say, not often you see Ryan Miller do a cartwheel under his own power or discretion. Let's just put it that way. One heck of a goaltender, of course, uh, held a, a particular shutout record until a particular goalie who shall not be named uh, broke it <laughs> in the college hockey world not too long ago. I Kidding. Congrats to Dryden McKay and one heck of a season and career that he's had for uh, the Mankato Mavericks. But, you know, kind of going back to this, and I had a good conversation on Twitter with uh one of my former teammates who played at UNLV, um, who's kind of the ACHA Division One team that partners with the Vegas Golden Knights down there. He's a Swedish kid. And uh, we had a conversation about it. And, you know, he as a goalie, he goes, he goes, absolutely not. He goes, the rule is there where there's nothing written that goalies can't come out. You know, goalies should be protected. They're less mobile, you know, given the goaltender side. And I think, you know, that's the discussion that we have is you talk to most goaltenders and they're like, no, I should be able to come out and play a puck because it's a risky play for me to come out and make this play. And if I'm going to do it, I should be protected. Same with when I go behind the net, you can't impede my progress, that sort of thing. And I'm with you, Alex, I'm with your head motion where, yeah, I mean, if, if you step two feet to the side of the net and you try to play a puck and I come in and I take your legs out from under you, that's different. But oh, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, maybe when you're, if you make a, a kind of a, a three-sided rectangle, if you will, from the goal line up to uh, the face-off dots, maybe go across the face-off dot and down. I, I mean, that's about as far as I'm probably even willing to give a goaltender. I feel like if you, if you're anywhere beyond that, and that's pretty, that's, that's a large patch of ice. I feel like if you're anywhere beyond that as a goaltender, like if you go and you play a puck in the corner and, you know, not to say that you should be lit up or eligible for body checking or that sort of thing, but it's kind of like, at what point do you know that if you're going this direction and a forward and a defenseman are going this direction, and it's a 50, 50 loose puck. You know, I don't think any forward in the NHL is pulling up on that play. We saw in the Stanley cup final back in what was it? 2014. It was Ben Bishop running into his defenseman and it was an easy tap in for Chicago and kind of was a game changer in that first period to maybe en route to their uh, Stanley cup there uh, back in, uh, was it 14 or 15? It might've been 2015 uh, when the Hawks won that year and uh, for the third Stanley cup. And you know, that those are things that like as a forward, I, that's my question. At what point do you say, you know, You've come out too far. Not that you should be hit, but maybe you've accepted the risk. Alex, is there kind of an area for you that you feel like maybe goaltenders should be a a little, I don't want to say less protective, but more restricted in their their safeness, <laughs> if you will? Yeah, I mean, we see it in the NFL when when a quarterback uh, uh, decides to run, you know, then they become a runner and it's, it's fair game. You know, they're no longer as protected. Um, you know, it's... They're, if they're willing to make that that decision to, to come out there, I mean, I think there should be a little bit more of a judgment call um, as far as, you know, calling a penalty or not um, because they, they've they decided to make that move out. And so I think, hey, you're fair game. with Because uh, like yeah. you said, none of these uh, 
these forwards or if a defenseman decides to cheat a little bit up for and get up forward, uh, you know, they, they're not going to slow down. Um, it's, you know, it's just, a, at that point it becomes a momentum, you know, or like clear you're on a collision course. Um, and yeah. so I, you know, I think they should be treated as a skater, um, you know, and so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, I wish there was more of a judgment call, but anytime you see an injury too, it always seems like, uh, the goalie gets the benefit of the doubt. And so I'm sure if your goalies listening to this aren't going to agree with us at all, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, we, both of us seem to be more of the, uh, you know, offensive, uh, you yeah. know, um, protector or, you know, being on their side of things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a tough one. And I just wish, I wish the referees made it more of a judgment call and it always seems to be favored towards the goalies, but, uh, you know, I get the and- safety factor too. And, and, and don't think for a second that net miners don't use that to their advantage. I've had plenty of times where I've came around the net where I've been impeded by a goaltender. I've even been slashed by a goaltender as they come on, you know, by, and I get it. They're not as mobile. You know, if you're going to play the puck, you know, behind the net, obviously don't come in and freight train them. I get that. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the, the, the ultimate call for Ryan Lomberg was a charge, which I don't really know how you get a charging penalty when you touch the puck steaming down the ice and then a second later you end up running into the player it's kind of you know you just grab possession of the puck and now you lost it you haven't even gotten a single stride in there let alone three i don't care if he's going fast to get to the puck he played that puck before he hit the goaltender you know and if anything like you know if that if if it would have been a two-minute elbowing call i don't know that i would be up in arms per se about it i guess i could see that perspective a little bit more but yeah like you mentioned kind of on the forward side it's you know it's not like he saw a goaltender that he was going to lose the foot race by five feet and said, you know what? It's hell or high water. Here comes a line brawl. You know what I mean? It, um, it, it felt like a player that truly was trying to make a play on the puck, you know, had a defenseman that was also kind of hot on his heels, riding him in a particular direction. It felt like he tried to swivel his body as much as he could, but like you mentioned a bang, bang play, what are you supposed to do in this, in the span of about two feet when you're going, you know, 20 miles an hour. So um, yeah, I'm with you, Alex. I'm with you uh, in terms of, you know, does that need to be changed? Does it not? And, you know, you made a football reference, you know, for all the, for all the hecticness of Michael Vick's career, one of the things I loved about the way Michael Vick played is he was, he was a quarterback that rarely ever actually slid too when he was able to run the ball up. And it's kind of talks about, uh, you, um, I have a friend who's a big CFL fan and we go to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the CFL with only three downs, you see quarterbacks with that simpler men, similar mentality, where they they're going to run the ball and they're going to kind of accept the fact that they might get hit too. And not to say again, you shouldn't light up a quarterback, but at the same time, sometimes it's like, you know, as, as a defensive tackler, are you a little bit in between and knowing, you know, is this guy going to slide or do I have to (laughs) take care of him for the next two yards as well too? So it's kind of that in between piece that still does favor the quarterbacks, not to say that we shouldn't, you know, have a Terry Bridgewater. I just got knocked out on the, (laughs) on the field situation, but, uh, um, anyhow, that's what the NHL needs. You heard it from Alex, right? More subjective calls. Fans love that, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that between uh, those in the video replay, but they did review the major call. I think, like you said, the injury um, kind of plays into that as well, too. But uh, yeah, on the forward side, I think that that uh, definitely needs a look at uh, in terms of the rule book um, as well. But speaking of books, why don't we talk about the record book here to finish up the show, Alex? Um, and speaking of an Alex as well, uh, Ovi, the great eight, moving to fourth all time, passing Brett Hall now with 742 goals to his career, 600 to assist, 1,344 
points for Alex Ovechkin in his career. Uh, he's chasing down Yarmer Yager at 766 in the goal column, Gordie Howe at 801, and Wayne Gretzky at 894. I think that Yarmer Yager and Gordie Howe are definitely within reach for the great eight. Wayne Gretzky is another question entirely. It's going to depend on Alex Ovechkin's health. He's going to be ready to turn 36 here um, if he's not 36 already. Um, I, I, I think that, yeah, again, 742, I think he's got a, a good at least – you know, another 60 goals in him for sure. But the question is, does he have another, what would that be? 150? I think 154. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, um, 152, I think, Two, is where we're at. 152? To okay. tie 153 to, yeah. to, to beat that record. 153, yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, Alex, I guess my first question is, uh, do you think the grade eight stays healthy enough and productive enough to hit this record? I think he, he's going to get there. I really all do. Right. Um uh, it's, you know, he's 36 right now and what, <laughs> what he's doing, it's just absolutely incredible. I think he stays in such good shape. Um, you know, if, if, if Yager can play as long as he did, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think Ovi can do it too. Um, and he, you know, he, he'll never lose the hands. Um, and so, um, you, you put him on the power play, that man is going to score always, <laughs> um, yeah, from his office right there in the dots. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and what he's doing too, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't have his partner in crime this season in Nicholas Backstrom. And so he's kind of, you know, dealing, dealing with new line mates, but you know, he's kind of got that Russian connection too with Kuznetsov and, uh, Tom Wilson, uh, seems to be his protector out there on that line. And so, um, yeah, he's got a good thing rolling, rolling with that group and John Carlson, uh, uh, you know, an American defenseman back there on the power play with them. And so, yeah, I think he can do it. Um, it'll be fun to see him pass Yager. Um, just, uh, another, another guy that was just so much fun to watch. Um, and so I can't wait for him to do that. It was cool to see, Brett Hull, um, do a tribute to him the other night. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love, you know, we talked about Rick Nash. Um, that was, uh, another, you know, a guy that was in my wheelhouse as, as fandom, uh, Ovi, you know, same thing right there. Um, similar age, um, and just the goals that he's, uh, scored in his career. Then, you know, you can think back and always YouTube the one, against uh, the coyotes when he was just coming into the league and, you know, him falling on the ice and, you know, the stick behind his uh, head and, and getting that goal and uh, just what a fun player to watch. And, uh, you know, when he scores a goal, it's, it's like, he's uh, every time he scores, it's like, he's a little kid out there and it's, it's so much fun. And now he's got two sons too, of course, they're boys, uh, OV juniors. And so I'm sure they're going to be, uh, phenomenal hockey players. And, you know, I hope, um, you know, I hope he can play until he's, you know, 43, 44. I'm sure he won't stop until he gets the record. Um, you know, he's just a Russian machine. He's a tank too. That, that helps too with, with how, uh, with how strong he is. Um, uh, and, you know, I just, I think he's going to do it. I believe in him. He's got a good first name, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I love watching OV play and uh, I'm so glad that he didn't switch teams either. It looks like he's going to be a capital for life and uh, fun to see him get a Stanley Cup finally too uh, a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for, for OV to get there and pass, uh, pass a great one. 
Yeah, him and Sidney Crosby kind of are, are the duo that have kind of defined this generation a little bit. Alex Ovechkin about 200 more games uh, than Crosby. But I was kind of curious to see where Crosby sat on this list. Like I mentioned, Alex Ovechkin in four. Sidney Crosby, 49th, uh, 486 goals for him, 839 assists. So actually pretty comparable in points, uh, 1325 in terms of that. But uh, you can tell Sidney Crosby more of a playmaker. The other piece that I was kind of curious about, too, is you look at Alex Ovechkin. They have a list of here of all the teams that each player played for. Uh, Alex Ovechkin you know, only playing for Washington, of course, maybe the closest. Gordy Howe, uh, Detroit mostly, and then kind of played for Hartford a little bit, but still listed with two teams. Uh, the next closest player uh, to have um, uh, only one team played for uh, also happened to be a Detroit Red Wing. Alex, do you happen to have any idea who it might be? 10th all time on this list. Any idea? Is it Iserman? It is Iserman. Stevie Y was 692. You're like, oh boy, I better take a good stab <laughs> at this one here. Iserman yeah. uh, was 692, and Mario Lemieux only playing for Pittsburgh at 690 at 11 or 10 and 11, respectively. Those are the next two that have only played for one team. So if you go from there onward, number nine, Mark Messier. Mike Gardner, Phil Esposito, Marcel Dion, um, Brett Hall, and like I mentioned, Ovechkin, Yager, Gordy Howe, and Wayne Gretzky. Gordy Howe was a pretty pure goal scorer. Of course, a lot more games played, um, you know, and in comparison, right? Yager, 1,733 games. Uh, Gordy Howe, 1,767 games. Just had a whale of a career. Get it? He played for the Whalers. Um, but Wayne Gretzky only at 1487. So there's kind of a good comparable for, you know, will Alex Ovechkin get there before Wayne Gretzky's number of games played too, depending on his production, we'll have to see. So my ultimate question for you is this, as you kind of give me, you know, the in-between here, and I definitely agree with you too, you know, it's different in today's game, but that's the question. Today's game and Alex Ovechkin versus Wayne Gretzky's era in the eighties and nineties. In your opinion, Alex, as you kind of hear some of the names on this list, who is in your opinion, the purest, best NHL goal scorer of all time. I'm going to go with, with Ovi. Um, I just, Same. I just think, yep. uh, it, you know, we, it's tough to compare eras, but I mean, the goaltenders are just so much different now compared to when, when Wayne was playing, I mean, and the equipment and the size, I mean, some of these goalies, it's just, it's, it's amazing how uh, some of these guys can still score on them. Like, um, you take a look at, you know, look at all the tall goaltenders that are in the league right now. Yeah. It's just in, in their equipment too. Uh, it's, you know, it's incredible. You know, Andre Vasilevsky, um, you know, Pekarina before he retired, he was a gigantic goaltender, Devin Dubnik, uh, Ben Bishop, you know, so, I mean, these goalies are, you know, six, five, six, six, and uh, there's not a whole lot of room to, to score, um, you know, to shoot at. And for what Ovi's uh, done, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, not, dis not discounting Wayne at all. Um, but, uh, just, uh, I think Alex, uh, you know, he's just was a pure goal scorer. Wayne, Wayne was a playmaker too. Wayne could set up everybody. And I think Ovechkin just, you know, that's, you know, you're going up pure goal scoring. Uh, he, he is the man and what he, what he does on the power play is absolutely incredible because every team knows what's coming it was yeah. just like you know like uh, miko koivu with the backhand and Shoot shootouts yeah. um but ovi he's always been in the same spot on that power play and he still scores it's <laughs> it's just it's just incredible you know when he gets the the puck on his stick it you know no one shoots it faster 
Um, and the man tries to play the entire power play. He never, he never wants to come off. You, you, know, you want, you look at daily face off the, the website that tells lines and you see Ovechkin on both, both units. And so it's, 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 it's funny. Uh, um, I love watching him play. Um, it, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, he's, he's right there, um, as like the Gretzky of, of, of this era. Um, it, you know, I always tell people him and Connor McDavid, it's, um, you know, it's two guys that, um, you, it's must watch every time, uh, they're on TV. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, this, the amount of skill, um, Ovi has, it's just, just incredible. And, um, he's such a good, good guy too, which, which is awesome. And he loves, uh, he loves when his teammates score too. And so, um, yeah, definitely a guy to, to root for. And, uh, I hope he can pass some of these legends. Uh, it's incredible, uh, incredible to see. Um, and I hope he pulls it off. Yeah. Kind of looking at some of the, I was curious as, as the, the statistical value of kind of, you know, you compare the generations, you know, so I was like, what is the historical data that tells, you know, what was the average goals per game over the course of a season in the National Hockey League and power play opportunity as well. Because like you mentioned, that's where he sets up. And that in my mind, you know, Wayne Gretzky, we knew that Wayne Gretzky was always going to be one step ahead, but he didn't have, I mean, Wayne Gretzky's office was behind the net. Um, Alex Ovechkin's is right in the wheelhouse, if you will. And just like you said, you know, the release is coming and it's still just that deadly. And not only, you know, a guy that's dynamic, um, He's fairly dynamic on the backhand. I think Sidney Crosby is probably better in the backhand category. But other than that, the wrist shot and the slap shot, the snapshot, um, Ovechkin, if it's on his forehand, it's probably in the back of the net. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about 1981-82 here. Uh, 4.1 goals per game, the highest uh, since that mark, I believe, in the National Hockey League. Uh, four power play opportunities per game and about 0.91 power play goals per game. So usually if you got four power plays, you're probably scoring on one of them uh, in 1981-82. All right, let's go uh, forward a decade, if you will, 1991-92, 3.48 goals a game. So that's starting to drop already. Uh, five power play opportunities a game and a 0.97 power play conversion rate. So again, you get five power plays, you'll probably score on one of those, but uh, the average goal rate starts to go down. 2001 2.62 goals per game. So now we're starting to really see that drop four power play opportunities and a 0.65 conversion rate. So teams starting to get a lot better defensively. Goaltenders starting to get a lot better. Uh, 2011-12, uh, 2.73 goals per game. Only three power play opportunities per game and, a, and a, about a 0.57 conversion rate. So um, starting to really drop. And then this season right now, uh, we're at about 2.96 right now with 3.09 power play opportunities a game and a 0.62 power play conversion rate that will probably drop down as the season goes along. But, you know, you compare that right back in the eighties, you know, you have 3.5, 4.0 in terms of goals per game. Statistically, that's a huge shift in, you know, not only goals per game, power play opportunities. So you're getting less power play opportunities per game on a given night. You have better goaltending, better defense, and you're still able to come remotely close to this record. Uh, I agree with you 110%, Alex, the way that Ovechkin, uh, you know, is able to score. And uh, I just think it's a treat to watch, to know that we are potentially watching not only one of the purest goal scorers of all time, but potentially the purest goal scorer, maybe in our lifetime, you know, we might never see another Alex Ovechkin that is as natural of a goal scorer as he is. So um, just 
utterly impressive to watch here. Um, I mean, Hey, I mean, he's not, uh, he, he, he's not as great as Kirill Kaprizov though. When Kirill breaks that record. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> wild fans could only hope I've been impressed. I, I still Alex to close the show. I still think it's funny. We still have fans that feel like uh, Kaprizov is underproducing and maybe in the goal column, he is a little bit, but assist wise, he's been, on, he's been on par 11 points in 14 games tied for the team lead with Ryan Hartman. I don't know why people get in such a tizzy about how they need a guy to be a 20 goal scorer, a 25 goal scorer, a 30 goal scorer. My, my mentality is this. If you get 50 points or 80 points in a season, they contribute to 50 goals or 80 goals in the season. They all look the same and a production is production. I think the overall points value, I think you have to look at that, I guess, to close the show with a little bit of Minnesota wild discussion very briefly is Kirill Kaprizov underperforming in your mind, Alex? (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, uh, <laughs> good. You know, Cause, I cause you wouldn't be coming back if you said yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, the big thing is, you know, come postseason time, you know, that's when you gotta, I, that's when it matters. Um, and so, yeah. um, but you see, you know, it, it might not always be showing up in the stat sheet, but he, he makes the team so much better. He draws so much defensive, uh, you know, attention presence toward yeah. yeah, attention towards him. Um, and so, you know, it just, you know, especially on the power play too, the, the, the movement of the power play has been so much better. Um, you know, and so he, he, he does all the little things, um, and it's, it's getting there, you know, it's ramping up, um, you know, the, the game against Ottawa, that was incredible. Um, you know, it's, it's when you get a chance to have him on three on three in overtime, you know, good luck. I mean, when, when he gets space, it's, it's so much fun to watch. And he, uh, he's just, he's OV junior with his physical presence too. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, uh, he can stand up for himself. Um, and so, um, you know, this franchise is so lucky to have him. I don't think people should be complaining about him. Uh, he's under a ton of pressure right now, um, you know, and as the season continues to move along, um, you know, I, I think he'll he'll be right there as a, a point in per game um, player. Um, and uh, um, I think <laughs> I think the fans that are complaining need to uh, quiet down a little bit because um, yeah, what what he's going to bring to this franchise. I think he's going to do even more than Marion Gabrick. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's fun, fun to see him. Uh, fun to have a Russian on the team. Uh, <laughs> this team for so long shied away from, from having Russians. And so uh, they just bring a different, uh, different element uh, uh, to the game. Uh, it, it's so, so much fun to watch. Um, well, like we've been talking about Ovechkin uh, when they score, it's, uh, it's like they're little, like a little kid out there. So it, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, we had actually, I was trying to find to see uh, the cap friendly uh, pieces here because cap friendly has uh, a little tool that kind of tells you a little bit about, uh, you know, players that are paid over nine and a half million dollars. I think that was the other piece too, is that guys, you know, were really worried about, uh, you know, that, that the contract size, if you will. I think the other piece is that um, if you're, you know, a, a Minnesota wild fan and you're talking about Kirill Kaprizov and kind of the, um, you know, the season that he had last year. And I think he was productive at least on the um, at least on the offensive side in the goal column as well. Um, as I'm trying to find a little bit here, I uh, cap friendly. I'm just trying to search a little bit for uh, uh, the tool that is able to let us know what the, the salary piece is. Um, but nonetheless, 
you know, Kirill Kaprizov, he's a playmaker. You know, he's not a guy that uh, I think with his goal production, people have him pegged as a goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, he can score goals, but really, like you mentioned, his ability is his physical presence, his ability on his edges, his ability to play, you know, that playmaker style where he draws players to him and then either creates the offense himself or, or more than likely drops a puck to a player that, is now left all alone because two defenders are on him. I mean, you know, the final thought here, Alex, I mean, in, in your mind, and we asked you, we asked you this on the show when you were a guest a couple weeks ago, what is it about Kirill's play style that makes him so effective in terms of, you know, being a Marion Gabrick with an extra bit of oomph and maybe being the best player in franchise history? Yeah. Um, he just knows, he knows where to go on the ice. He finds those areas of the ice um, and his vision is just so incredible. You saw, um, you know, in that Vegas game that the, the pass he made um, to set up, set up the goal, um, you know, just it's, it's incredible what, you know, and you mentioned his edge work too. Um, it's, you know, he looks very Connor McDavid, like uh, when he's, when yeah. he's doing, when he's, when he's on his edges like that, uh, um, you know, it's, he's so, he's such a, a fun player to watch. Um, and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he brings that physical physicality, um, in me- mentality, um, that, that helps him so much, um, too. Um, and he does such a good job in front of the net. Um, and he makes his line so much better. Um, the chemistry he has with Matt Zuccarello is, is fun to watch, uh, um, to see that, that continue to, uh, uh, develop um and um yeah like i said uh the physicality i think is a little what makes him a little bit different from from marion gabrick um um and just um how, how smart of a hockey player um krill is um and um yeah he just brings a different mentality that this team has ever had um and uh helps so much on the power play um, and you know, I think, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be saying he'll, he'll be the top goal scorer in wild history, uh, soon enough for sure. Yeah. Kind of looking at some of the, some of the results here, you know, Connor McDavid, of course, 25 points, you know, having a great season, Alex Ovechkin guys that are making over nine and a half mil, if you will, Ovechkin with 24 dry cycle. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Kopitar, you know, 16 points uh, for him, Kane, Tavares, Panarin, uh, all at 15 points, Mitch Marner with 14 and then Austin Matthews has 12 points. And then you've got uh, Kirill Kaprizov just sneaking into the top 10 there uh, with 11 points respectively. So, I mean, you got to pay attention to, I, I think if you're a wild fan to understanding that he's on par in production, maybe, you know, a point or a couple points shy of being with some of the best and most iconic franchise players around the league, you know, and superstars. And uh, like you mentioned, I think we're lucky to have him. And I think, you know, if, this is him playing poorly under pressure, so to speak. I can't wait to see when he <laughs> finally is able to open it up and, uh, you know, let, let the horses run, if you will. But uh, right. um, we've just about run out of time here, Alex. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Hopefully uh, we'll have you again next week. Like we mentioned, Nick Maxson uh, is going to be out for at least a little bit here uh, with uh, his duties that he has related to his occupational pieces uh, on Sundays and Mondays. Uh, other than that, though, Alex, like you mentioned, St. Cloud State men's hockey in Kalamazoo with Western Michigan. Again, women's hockey home and home against the Gophers and then the Minnesota Wild Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, home, home, away and away. You won't want to miss it. Uh, Alex, of course, a heavy presence on Twitter. I saw you were featured one of your tweets in the athletic last week. So I wonder what it's like to be on that uh, status level, if you will, as sifting through. I was like, oh, well, all right, this guy, this guy's important. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun when when Michael does that. Yeah, it's uh it's cool. I've you know I'm I'm over two thousand followers now, so that that's fun. And I yeah, I just love interacting with uh, with everybody on there and, and sharing clips and stuff. It's fun to fun to talk about them too. And uh, yeah, nothing nothing better than hockey and seeing seeing incredible goals like uh, the one uh, the other night. Uh, you know the Patrick Kane set up to Alex to bring cat yeah. that that you know not many people can can do that. Um, and so it's it's the you know it's the beautiful game. Uh, um, and, and when they're going, when those high enders are going, it's, it's, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, a piece here. I think a lot of fans were excited to have you on the show. Of course, at Alex Micheletti on Twitter, you can find you. Um, I'm at SCSU hockey 91. I don't tweet a whole lot. I probably should tweet a lot more, uh, but we do tweet quite a bit. Of course, when the show comes out at warming house, Den, you can find us all there. And then of course, Alex's uh, shows at MNNCAA. Um, if I can spit that one out, of course, the soda pod and the various pieces that he's going on, just find Alex and you'll find what he's got going on. Uh, fun to interact with, ask him a lot of questions. He'd be happy to answer them. Um, but Alex, I think that will do it for episode number 87 of the Hussies Warming House podcast. For Alex Micheletti, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. And your one-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies along. In for a chance to win it, he scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner! St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.